Hey friends, glad you tuned in. We're in Ephesians chapter 3 this week. We're just working our way through Paul's letter to the Christians at Ephesus. I hope you're doing well. I'm excited to jump into this last little portion of the first section of Ephesians. You might remember from week 1 that Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, is divided into two parts. The first three chapters and the second three chapters. Chapter 1 effectively tells us all that we are in Christ, all that we have in Christ, all that He has done for us. And then chapter 2 effectively tells us how we should live in light of what we have in Christ. Now here's just a few of the highlights from that first section. The first one is that as a Christ follower, the Christian has been chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. That in and of itself is uh, is a mouthful. There's a lot of implications to that. The second thing is that in order to know God, the eyes of our hearts have to be opened. Merely intellectual understanding, that alone isn't enough for us to grasp who God is and the relationship that we can have with Him. The third thing, a third highlight from the first section is that Apart from Christ, we are dead to God. But in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ, we are made alive to God. From death to life through Christ. The fourth highlight, the last one I'll make mention of, is that in Christ, redemption and relationship with God are now available to all people. Not a select group of people, but all who would call on him. The first section really is all about what God has done, not what we do. Uh, in that first section, which is all about the grace and love and redemption and life that God offers to us, we are remarkably passive agents. All of those things are ours through Christ. So today what I want to do is just conclude that first section with the last portion of Ephesians chapter 3. After all of Paul's talk, about who Christ is and what he has done for us. He concludes with this in Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14. This is what it says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. There's really two key words that I just wanted to make mention of that I want you to notice in this section. The two words are power and love. Power and love. Both of these are yours through Christ. Both belong to you 
in Christ. Now, the bookends of this section speak to the glory, the power of God that is available to us. And as unusual as it might sound, there is an extraordinary power that is available to us through Christ. John Piper says it this way. He says, There is extraordinary power available to believers, a power that can accomplish far more than we ordinarily think or imagine. It comes by the Spirit. It accords itself with the riches of God's glory. This power is the very fullness of God, as unimaginable as that sounds. There is power available to believers. And he listed off a few ways, that a few methods or things we can do to seek this power. The first one is this. Fill yourself with God's Word. Be immersed in the Scriptures. It's very unlikely that you're going to experience God's power in your life apart from what He has revealed to us in His words. Certainly, you will never experience the power of God that is not in accordance with His Word. Uh, Jesus gave us a good description of why God's Word and being immersed in it is so important to experiencing power. In John chapter 6, verse 63, this is what He said. He said, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. The words that God has spoken to us are full of spirit and life. This is one way, immersing ourselves in the scripture, that we can tap into the power that is available to us. A second thing that he said we can do is that we can put our faith in the scriptures as we read them. Galatians 3, 5, the Apostle Paul, same Paul who wrote the letter to the Ephesians, this is what he said. He said, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Does God do powerful works in and around you by religion, by behavior, or does he do it by faith, by believing his word? Well, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is by believing the word of God. This is how God does powerful works in our lives. A third thing that we can do to connect with and get in touch, tap into the power of God, is to pray for God's power to be active in our lives. In Acts chapter 1, uh, this is a scene where we see the, the first act of the Holy Spirit's power at work in the church for the very first time. And this is what was happening right before the Holy Spirit's power comes in Acts chapter 2. In chapter 1, verse 14, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, praying for God's power to be active in their lives. The bottom line is that the power of God is available to us through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, the good news of Christ is itself a revelation of God's power. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 Paul says this, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is in itself the power of God. 
as Paul speaks of God's power here in Ephesians chapter 3, we uncover this incredible reality that God is able. God is able. Able to strengthen you for the journey ahead. Able to accomplish what seems impossible. Able to reveal what seems unknowable. Able to anticipate and respond to your needs. This power is freely given to you in Christ. This power is available to you. Power. The second word, the second key word in this section is love. Uh, Between these two bookends, which speak of God's power at work in the church and in the life of the believer, what we see is God's love. And it, it really serves, the format really serves as a kind of a good metaphor for how the gospel works. Because at the core of the gospel, the good news about what God has done, what we find is God's love for us at the very core of the gospel. And Paul's prayer is that we would be rooted and established in love so that we may grasp the vastness of God's love for us, which ultimately would lead us to be filled to the measure with the fullness of God. This fullness, this full life, Jesus also speaks of in John chapter 10.10. He said he came so that we could have full life. Now, as modern Christians in our daily lives, uh, we're, we're fairly adept at being rooted and established in a lot of things. Certainly in our routines, uh, we're rooted and established in information. Uh, as Christians, we're rooted, some, sometimes rooted and established in Christian media or Christian books or even Christian community. All of those things are very valuable, meaningful, good things. But, but the key which unlocks the power in all of these things and many more is being rooted and established in love. 1 Corinthians 13 says that no matter what kind of spiritual gifts we have without love, they count for nothing. Now in his book, The Pastor, Eugene Peterson tells the story of a five-year-old girl whose grandmother came for a visit. She loved her grandmother. They had a great relationship. And when grandma got there, this five-year-old girl climbed up in grandma's lap and she said to her grandmother, let's not have any God talk this time. Let's just get on with the business of living life. We're about to move into this second half of Ephesians and the tone is going to change. We're going to talk a lot more about practice, uh, the actions. What does it look like to live a Christ-centered life? How do we act in light of what God has done? But if we don't understand the first half, if we don't understand all that we've been given in Christ, the high position we have in Christ, the power that is available to us in Christ, and perhaps most importantly, if we don't understand the grace that we have received, if we're not rooted and established in love, then the second half of the letter just becomes God talk. It's just God talk without love, without understanding God's love and his grace for us. First John says it this way. He says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Those who know God are characterized by love. 
learning to love is essential to following Jesus. If I, if I don't love, then I'm not following Jesus. What we've learned so far in Ephesians is that God has freely given us his love, his grace, his power, even his family name. We're adopted into his family. All we need to do is dive deeper and deeper into his love so that it will spill out from us, that we will be characterized by what we have already received from him. If we don't understand just how much grace we've received, then showing grace toward others becomes our duty, not a way of living. It's just God talk, not a way of living. If we don't understand the vastness of God's love, then loving the world is basically reduced to just being nice. And if we don't understand why we have such a lofty position through Christ, such a lofty position in God's eyes, if we don't understand why we have that through Christ, then we just become mean and judgmental and maybe even a little bit arrogant. I pray as we move into the second section that your heart would be enlightened that you would know the hope that you have, that you would know the great inheritance we have through Christ. I pray that the grace you've received would bring your soul to life as you get about the business of living your life, as of living out these good works which God prepared in advance for you to do long before you were ever born. I pray that the love of God would overwhelm you as we go into the second half. Have an awesome week. I love you guys. I'm looking forward to seeing you again soon.